A young girl woke from her sleep to the smell of smoke. It was year 1707 in a small town in England. In this church parish, a family with eight children were sound asleep. The mother was nine months pregnant and sick. So when the young girl woke to the smell of smoke and jumped from her bed to wake her siblings, it soon turned to panic. The family all ran from the house and the father and the older children had to help their mother from her bed and out the door. Once outside, the father started counting his children and realized he was one short. Their youngest child, John, was still inside. He was sleeping in the attic. The father rushed back into the house and up the stairs. The smoke surrounded him, and he could feel the heat of the fire. Halfway up the stairs, the wood beneath him gave way, and he fell to the bottom floor. He was able to pull himself up and back out the front door. There was no way to reach his child, still trapped in the attic. The family huddled in a circle outside, praying and giving the soul of their young son to God. Neighbors started arriving, having been awoken by the brightness of the flames that was now engulfing the house. John was asleep in the attic. He woke up. John rolled out of bed and crawled to a chest and then climbed on the chest of the window. He opened the window and looked out at his yard. The neighbors were all there and his family. The crowd, seeing little John, went into a panic. They could not just sit by and watch this little boy burn to death. One man climbed onto the shoulders of another man. He still was not tall enough. Another man then climbed onto his shoulders, and soon the men had created a human ladder. They could feel the heat of the fire, and if the man on the ground was to trip and fall, they would all be burned. They moved closer and closer to the fire until the man at the top was able to reach little John. That night, the whole family was saved, and shortly later, the mother gave birth to another little boy. Charles. Charles and John would become very close growing up, and the two would change England, and God would use them to bring a great revival. The Wesley family that night lost everything, except each other. Twenty years later, the brothers were studying at Oxford University. The boys had a group of friends that would meet regularly for Bible study and to do good deeds. Two of their friends were William Wilberforce and George Whitfield. The group was obsessed with finding a way to reconcile with God. They kept notebooks with them and wrote down every sin they committed so they could confess to the group and to God. They visited prisons and they fed the poor. They fasted twice a week. They had very rigorous and detailed methods of prayer and Bible study. If you wanted to be friends with this group, you had to follow all of their methods that they laid out. The other boys in the school started calling them the Holy Club. Then another name was started, the Methodists. The group loved the term Holy Club, and they also embraced the Methodists. After leaving Oxford, the brothers began preaching. They preached their new Methodist, rigorous way of keeping oneself holy. They also spent a lot of time in the prisons preaching. The prisons were so full that a large group of prisoners were put on a boat and shipped to the Americas. They would live in a colony called Georgia. The boys were asked to go to Georgia and pastor a church for the now much larger congregation. The brothers agreed. On the way to Georgia, the boat was hit with a storm, and it seemed they would soon die and drown. Both Charles and John were in a panic, sure that they would die. Yet another group on the boat didn't seem to panic at all. They stated so clearly that they would see Jesus and be with him if they died that they had no fear of death 
even the small children from this group were singing with no fear of death. Charles and John could not understand how these people could be so sure of their eternal destination. The storm ended and they all survived, and in 1735 they landed in Georgia. They preached their method of holiness and demanded those in the church follow their methods. The congregation did not like that. They were not happy with them at all, and after a short period of time, the brothers were forced to return to London. The brothers were discouraged, hurt, embarrassed, and questioning God. They met a man named Peter, who talked to them about God's grace and God's love. The brothers had many long conversations with Peter. Could it be that these pious young preachers had never actually understood the gospel? On May 21st in 1738, Charles finally fully understood the gospel and called out to Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness for his sins and trusting in Jesus' work on the cross alone to save him. He felt immediately the peace and assurance he had seen on the faces of those who had almost been shipwrecked on the journey to the Americas. Just three days later, John was heading into church for a weekday service. The preacher was reading the introduction to Romans, written by Martin Luther. Suddenly, John felt his heart race. He remembered waking up in the fire and having no way to save himself. This picture burned into his heart. He was awakened to who he was, all of his piety and good deeds, all his methods of holiness. They were all nothing. There was no way he could save himself. Then suddenly he remembered the verse, This is how we know God. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. It was not his love for God that had the power to save him. It was God's love that had the power to save him. That day, John became a Christian, and the two brothers began to preach with a new vigor. Now empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were on a mission. At that time in history, only the wealthy could attend church. You would purchase a pew, and that was your family pew. Those who did not have the money could not attend church. So the brothers started to go out in the fields and hold services in the fields. People would come from all around and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so many people became Christians that at this time in history is now known as the Great Awakening. There were other friends from the Holy Club that also joined them. One man, William Wilberforce, made it his life goal to end debtors' prison and abolish slavery. One year after becoming a Christian, Charles was walking outside on Christmas Day. As he walked, he felt the snow crunch beneath his feet and the London church bells started to ring. He thought, the bells are singing, hark, come and worship. He was inspired by all that had happened that year. There was a joy he had never felt before, and this Christmas was so different than any other Christmas he'd ever had before. When he got home, he wrote these words, Hark! The herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, Peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, and with angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. 
A year later, his friend from the Holy Club, George Whitfield, added music, and this became one of the most loved Christmas songs of our time. The brothers continued to preach. However, John became the great preacher and Charles the great songwriter. John's goal was to take deep theology and put it into music that the masses could sing. The church services that they held in fields all over England would have Charles' music and John's preaching. In 1751, slavery was finally abolished in England, and the Great Awakening was a very large part of that. By the time Charles died in 1788, he had written over 6,000 hymns. Our song today is one of the many great songs Charles wrote. Remember the reason he wrote the songs was to teach doctrine to the masses. So as you listen to the song, please hear all the great theology that is part of this wonderful song. Today we're hearing this song with permission from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I cannot recommend their YouTube channel highly enough. Not only are the music videos fantastic, but there's phenomenal preaching on the channel as well. This is also the home of Albert Molnar. His podcast, The Briefing, is one of my never-miss podcasts. In fact, both my husband and I listen to that podcast every day, and I recommend both the podcast and the YouTube channel, and I will have links to all of that in the show notes. But right now, let's hear the words, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs> 